organizations need to realize and then aggressively pursue what matters. And when you do that, what you start to shed is this notion that perfection is the goal. Welcome to the Rain Insights Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. The New York City Cyber Command is a centralized organization that leads the city's cyber defense efforts. They work across more than 100 agencies and offices to prevent, detect, respond, and recover from cyber threats. They protect the city and its critical systems from malicious attacks through the use of latest technologies, public-private partnerships, and regular training and exercises for city employees. Rain founder David Lawrence caught up with Jeffrey Brown and Mike Kenny, who lead New York City Cyber Command, and talked about applying their methods to the private sector. Let's listen. Jeff and Mike, it's truly a very special moment to be able to have a conversation with you uh, around cybersecurity, uh, infrastructure, security, and, and the valuable work that uh, you both have been doing, not only on behalf of New York City, but more broadly nationally, and the collaboration that you've been able to drive. So first, I, I'd be remiss if I did not start by thanking you sincerely, um, both as a citizen of New York, but also of this country, for your terrific work over these uh, now many years. So thank you for your service. Uh, maybe I'll begin by um, asking each of you sort of a logical question. What does it mean to begin to think about and protect infrastructure cybersecurity uh, when you're thinking not only about cities such as New York, but even more broadly, the national grid, the country in general, um, the types of threats, and just a little bit about you know how you've organized uh, that effort. Okay. Thank you for that question, David. I'm happy to lead off. And I should note too, it's always a great pleasure for New York City Cyber Command to be in considerate conversations with our colleagues, our partners, our friends at Rain. So thank you for inviting Mike and I to spend some time with you. So your question about how to begin, how to start thinking about cybersecurity, of course, uh, as servants uh, to New Yorkers, that being New York residents, businesses, and visitors, Mike and I uh, confront this question and with New York City Cyber Command, our partners, our teams, other agencies, the city hall's leadership. Uh, we've taken some measured steps, I think, in making a difference on that mission set. But you have to start to define things, right? And I've always thought the notion of critical infrastructure uh, is important to think about and think about where there is precision as a defined term. And we look towards the federal space, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency has outlined some definitions, of course, that cybersecurity practitioners are well aware of when it comes to critical infrastructure. And then they've even gone beyond, to their credit, to talk about critical national functions and what that means. But in New York, oftentimes we say to ourselves, critical infrastructure should be encompassing of all the things that New Yorkers themselves, those re residents, visitors, and businesses, find critical to their daily life. Um, and so when we think about it, we of course are following those national standard terms, you know, 
defined terms matter, and we understand that. And so we have partnerships with those organizations that are city, city government operated, like our tremendous water utility um, and wastewater treatment. Uh, uh, that's the Department of Environmental Protection. But we're mindful, to your point, to all of those participants in New York City that also provide, you know, from the private sector and otherwise, critical services to New York or critical infrastructure like the energy sector, of course, uh, but the critical providers um, that New Yorkers may rely on, that could be transportation. In some senses, of course, that could be media, uh, certainly financial services. These are things that are outside the realm of New York City government, but have functions that have both local, certainly domestic, and certainly international significance. I would highlight in that regard, we've brought those partnerships together under an umbrella of something called the Cyber Critical Services and Infrastructure Group uh, that was co-founded by New York City Cyber Command itself, by the Global Cyber Alliance, by the Manhattan DA, and the NYPD. So we've brought these partners together to sit at the common table and begin doing things like exercising together. Because, of course, as we know in the industry, it's not just about defense, it's about response. And how do you knit these things together? Uh, because it isn't just the city government, it is the city government, it is partners local, it is partners federal, and in some senses it can be international when you think about building a truly resilient community to the type of impact that can begin with a cyber event. So I'll pause there. So, Jeff, a great overview. And... Um... Having witnessed what you and Mike and your talented team have um, built over the years, um, let me perhaps summarize. Uh, you were certainly one of the first to recognize that there is an existential nature to the threat, uh, that these are not one-offs and it's not simply targeting various companies or individuals, that the ability to have trust and confidence in government and to be able to rely on institutions uh, is now at risk because of the nature of the cyber threats. And I'll sort of summarize, if, if you don't mind, the conversations that you, Mike, and I have had over the years, which is um, the nature of these threats obviously are um, in some respects different, but they go back uh, almost to biblical times, uh, whether it's sabotage or espionage or extortion or fraud or bribery or, you know, akin to kidnapping when data is is, is grabbed and held for ransom. Uh, but the actors here and the people who are behind them and the ability to attack the, our seats of government and, and the confidence of, of citizens has become of increasing uh, importance. When you think about a city, you always think about safety in the streets and, and such. But this has applied a whole new level of risk to city government and to the citizens who rely on their government and their infrastructure. And noting the wide breadth of businesses here in New York and the wide breadth of interests and the critical nature of the infrastructure, um, this is clearly a sea change for how government has to think about its operations, resiliency, business continuity, and most importantly, the, the stakeholders that 
you have to collaborate with and and work with. And I know you guys have been tremendous in that regard in terms of leading the effort with traditional law enforcement, with other municipalities, with the federal government, etc. And uh, I thought it would be helpful because, um, without going into the specifics, but if you and Mike could talk a little bit about what's happened with other cities and what I'll call it the attack vector looks like, the the threat environment, what it is that you're actually dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And we do know, you know, active state sponsorship, a wide variety of constituencies who look to do harm, make money, cause mischief, but also, you know, destruction is at hand, and that there's a great deal of state sponsorship uh, behind this. And I I thought it would be helpful to take it out of the realm of the hypothetical and out of the realm of the science fiction and talk about, you know, what has actually occurred in cities like Atlanta and Baltimore a little bit, but also, you know, the threats as you see them and what it is on a day-to-day basis uh, you deal with. And obviously there's been leadership from City Hall and Mayor de Blasio in this space, which, you know, I think has largely gone unrecognized. So... Let me pause there and maybe you and Mike can take us through what the environment looks like uh, in, in, a, in a sort of in a very, very real sense. Yeah. So, David, I want to I want to do that. And I want to underscore one of the points that you just made, which is trust is absolutely uh, critical to this conversation. If we zoom out of New York City for a moment and you look at what's happening in other parts of the world and you look at the. Um, electric grid in Ukraine, for instance, and the cyber attacks that happened there that took down uh, portions of the electrical grid, they were restored, right? Electricity was restored in uh, not a very long period of time, but the lasting impact of uh, those attacks is that it undermines trust in the government to be able to deliver uh, critical services. And I think we see the same thing here in the U.S. And you look at the 2016 and 2020 elections, the uh, intent is not necessarily to change the outcome, but instead to uh, erode trust in government. And I think that's something that we focus uh, very keenly on in New York City Cyber Command, we've got sort of uh, uh, words to live by, which uh, are the equation that, that we use to, to run uh, our day-to-day operations as well as set the strategic vision, which is facts plus judgment plus culture equals trust. And New York City Cyber Command endeavors to be the most trusted uh, entity in, in cybersecurity and, and in the city government. And I think that's a, that's a big deal. And it, it points to the initial question about how uh, we've organized the effort. And step one, I think, was to uh, make a decision this mayor made to centralize cybersecurity authority and accountability with one organization. I think you see a, a trend in the private sector. You see a trend in state government as well to begin to centralize 
around cybersecurity, um, you're not going to be able to have clear, consistent reporting or effective uh, collective defenses if the defensive model is entirely distributed. So I wanted to, to hit both of those points and uh, and then we can step into uh, a little bit of an overview of, of threats that we're seeing and threats um, that have played out in other cities. I think that's an important uh, piece to consider as we think about the defenses that we're building in New York City. Okay, and I want to, you know, uh, Mike, the point you made about undermining trust and confidence. Uh, we have seen an erosion of trust and confidence uh, across, I'll call it the political spectrum in our governmental institutions. And uh, I'm glad you made that point uh, because too often, you know, the headlines about ransomware, headlines about, you know, uh, what I'll refer to as release of embarrassing emails, etc. Um, or, you know, just you know, generally, the theft of IP, those are the headlines. Um, when what is really at stake is the ability for people to to have and maintain trust, not just in the government agencies, but the various companies that they do business with. Um, and so I'm glad you made that point. Jeff, as we think about, let's call it the, the threat spectrum, day-to-day basis uh, what are you and Mike what are you what are you confronting what do you guys see um, and I recognize that and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna knock wood and I don't want to jinx you guys but one of the great testaments uh, to the, the work that you do individually as part of your agency and also obvious, obviously on a collaborative basis is that you know, New York has fortunately not experienced what other cities have. And Mike's brought up the point about the Ukraine and, and the electrical grid um, and, you know, the actors behind that. Give us a sense of, you know, what it means to manage the infrastructure security for New York. So I think it's important on this question to highlight one of the key variables in building a truly resilient city or resilient community, resilient society, is recognizing how interconnected the different things that people need are and the services that underlie those. So traditionally, as this listener base certainly knows, when you think about cybersecurity events, We've already talked a little bit about what at times is thought of as reputational risk, and that is, does your client, your consumer, the resident, do they trust you? Do they trust that you are doing things uh, in the best interest of the relationship, right? So trust, reputational risk, of course. And we've seen that impacted across domestic U.S. Uh, when things, you know, have happened that have severed the ability of an individual to get what is expected from a service uh, perspective. A lot of that is caused because of operationally impactful malware events. A service goes down because it's been ransomed. I think the latest figure I saw, and it's probably grown 
was over 350 municipalities suffered an operationally impactful malware or ransomware event in recent years. That's a large number. And I think it continues to grow. Many different entities have said that ransomware uh, is a continually growing concern, not just a static threat, but one that is evolving. Uh, as again, this listener listener base, I'm sure is aware, you know, when a ransomware event knocked your services, your computers offline because they were encrypted, the threat actor, the adversary, the criminal, whatever term you want to use, was looking to extort you for payment to receive encryption keys back. Well, it evolved. Now they look to do that. And, you know, you could call it a double dip per se, but if they have the capability to be in your networks uh, in advance and steal stuff, then they're not only extorting you to get your services back up and running, but they'll extort you to say, uh, you know, whether or not your data gets, you know, splashed across the World Wide Web. So that's certainly a concern. But to me, you know, that is an uh, a operationally impactful event that severs the capability through technology of a service being provided to the person who expects that service. Now, the reason why I highlighted the beginning of this, you know, my comment, the that in a city it's unique to see how services build a resilient community, a resilient society, is because, as we all know, in cybersecurity, it's defend and respond. And I think it's interesting to highlight that response, while uh, may not be 100% fidelity if a service is, is interrupted, we have to think more holistically around all the different things that a city government itself can do and certainly can do with its partnership base in the private sector in order to make sure that if you're hit, you get back up and running in one way, shape, or form as quick as possible. And by that, I mean, you can imagine, you know, what is your strategy? What is your continuity of operations strategy that accounts for the fact that there can be technology failure? It could be because a bad guy is trying to do a bad thing, but it could be because of a weather event or it could be because a cloud provider has a misconfiguration within their code and some, some piece of your hybrid infrastructure goes down. You know, thinking more holistically around that enterprise risk crisis management equation, I think is, can actually be encouraging. And I think a lot of municipal governments are thinking that way. I think certainly in New York City, because of our great partners with entities coordinated through the New York City Emergency Management Group, um, you know, you think about all the partner entities in the city that will roll up their sleeves if there is, in fact, an operationally impactful service interrupting cybersecurity event. You know, that's very encouraging, but it all actually has to start recognizing that cybersecurity, you know, is and technology itself cuts across all of those service delivery sort of operations, thus can be impactful across. And what do you do about about it. As Mike highlighted a little bit earlier, you know, in the city government of New York, there a, a question was answered, which is the question being who's going to lead? And the answer was we will consolidate uh, the you know city government authority on cybersecurity into a single entity that will have, be accountable to City Hall and that can direct. Uh, technical as well as administrative control. So in the city government, 
you know, there, a decision was certainly made that said we need a single consolidated capability to work against the cybersecurity objectives. Now, it's not just from a risk perspective. It's not just saying, you know, what are the policies, uh, the carrot and stick game that can be played diplomatically with agencies? It's not just that. It's also can we consolidate the technical visibility and technical controls? That's the necessary piece here that I think is oftentimes missed in other federated models, where there's many offices or many agencies or many sort of holding companies. Without sort of the consolidation, uh, you, you, you can't necessarily have a uniform understanding of your defensive posture that needs to be adjusted continually based on the threat landscape. And you certainly can't have a consolidated incident response capability, which is essential before you start really bringing in the necessary partners to make a more resilient enterprise. Yeah, if I could just add there, I mean, in New York City, we see the same types of cyber threats as any large enterprise. What makes New York City government different from other local and state governments is the sheer size uh, and the scale of the services that city government provides to New Yorkers. We have a massive public health system, public hospital system, uh, public housing system, um, critical services like the water utility that Jeff mentioned earlier. I mean, these are these are services that are provided on a scale unlike anywhere else in the United States, and I think few comparisons in the world. And that's what makes the city uh, unique in terms of how we've organized and how we need to respond. But the types of threats that we face are um, is similar to the, the types of threats that any uh, large enterprise would face. Uh, I want to add one thing here to um, you know, the, the model, the federated model, or the idea that you have um, these different islands to protect. It just it doesn't hold true any longer. Everything is uh, connected. Uh, every city agency is connected in one uh, form to another and to the public and to not-for-profits and to the state. All of these connections exist, and that's part of the reason that we've started to pursue uh, a scaling up of the zero trust uh, model that New York City Cyber Command has implemented for uh, the cyber defenders who do the work of Cyber Command day in and day out. But uh, to look at what can uh, the city do, what can other large enterprises do to um, implement a zero trust model, which basically assumes that everything that you've got is exposed to the internet. It's already exposed. It's already connected. So how do you implement the strongest possible identity and access controls to make sure that only the people who need access have access? And I think that's one of the the exciting new things that we're working on in, in New York City's Cyber Command. Individuals and organizations turn to RAIN for risk intelligence that cuts through the hype to focus on what they need to know, what to expect, and what to do. To learn more about RAIN, go to rainnetwork.com slash join to become a member today. I wanted uh, to get a, a little bit into this uh, 
uh, unique program that you have led on Zero Trust. If you say Zero Trust, um, some people may assume that you're not, uh, in, in the, at least in the current political environment, that New York City doesn't trust other agencies or other bodies uh, to work with, and it's just the opposite in terms of your body of work. But uh, the term Zero Trust uh, is, uh, and I like the way you guys have defined it, is that the assumption is, the presumption is that the data is out there, it's exposed, and so what can you do to begin to make sure that it is accessed only by those who are authorized and that it uh, the exposure of the data doesn't mean that it can either be stolen, corrupted, or otherwise, um, I'll call it, you know, basically kidnapped and, and held for ransom. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that program. Yeah, so I'll start there. We've So, so we built off of a, a model that was introduced by Google several years back. And um, that's how we built the, the environment for uh, New York City Cyber Command employees to do their work. Um, where we're going, though, is thinking about what can we do uh, on a larger scale when it comes to you know, the entirety of city government or some of the other kind of interconnected um, components of the day in and day out operations of, of the city. So um, there's, there's a lot left to be done there. We put out a request for information for vendors to um, you know, submit um, ideas about how their solutions or a composite of their solutions and other solutions could further the unique challenges that the city is facing in this space. And we're undertaking a review of those submissions now. And you know, we'll ultimately look to uh, set the direction on um, you know the cybersecurity controls in place across the city government for the future. We've got, uh, we, I'd say this, we've come a long way in the last four or five years, but there's certainly a lot of work left to be done. Um, you know, the, the landscape is, is always shifting. I'd like to add on this point, and I think it's important that it's step by step. And there's an advantage that we've seen in the city government, and that's the capability of single entities, single agencies or departments who have specific concerns, specific authorities, specific responsibilities to lead the way to the benefit of the whole. And I think that's what we're trying to do in NYC Cyber Command. We're trying to live up to our sort of uh, participation in city government by saying we, with, you know, in the authorities, in the remit, in the responsibility and in the concerns that we represent, we've recognized that a certain architectural approach, a technical architectural approach is highly safe, is highly secure, is highly resilient, and is operable. And since we've done that, since we've built that, we released an RFI, as Mike noted, that says, how can we take the benefit of us executing on this to defend our own defenders and help the city move in that direction. I think what that highlights is a certain insight that municipalities or highly federated business 
service organizations have, and that's very simple. If you think going back to the question around threat landscape, many industries only monitor for the threats that are, are impactful against their vertical. You know, you even see that to be a little bit more granular as a practitioner. You even see that oftentimes in partnership with the threat intelligence vendor space in their offerings. You can subscribe to a certain vertical that is relevant to you and your industry and your business objectives. And a lot of times you're incentivized based on cost structure to not subscribe to all the other ones. So in fact, you know, when you look at a federated service model like we have in a city government or you know, other types of global enterprises might have, when something happens against one vertical, you're actually concerned to know everything you can because you have to protect that vertical and service line. But you are applying those lessons across the board. And maybe we benefited a little bit from that in New York City and the municipal government because when we've seen a threat impact a financial service vertical, well, we care about financing. So we're going to learn about that, make sure we can defend that and apply that against all the other verticals. If we see a threat uh, posed to a water utility, we need to learn about that uh, and apply those lessons across the whole. When we see a threat against health providers, we need to learn about that and apply that and so on and so forth across all of those services that New Yorkers expect from the city government each and every day. So those of you, you know, our insights get applied broadly. So we have the opportunity because, you know, we have to be aware, we have to react, we have to improve the defenses we have, and we have the consolidated mission set in NYC Cyber Command. We have the opportunity then to have the whole receive a benefit. I think that's unique. I think that is only seen in certain types of enterprises, uh, whereby if you're just in a single channel vertical, and you're only protecting against the threat landscape applicable to the adversary intent against that vertical, you're missing a big swap of how you could be impacted, how you could be targeted next, or how your downstream providers that your service lane depends on could then impact you. Um, so I think Mike brings up a really interesting point around the zero trust environment, in fact, because you know this isn't saying planting a flag and saying we're done but we do have the onus to say something is working in the application of this architecture and that's lead the way. It also, it sets the stage to bring more and more services that New Yorkers depend on um, online, uh, make them more accessible via uh, connected devices. I, I talked to someone once when I first came to New York City and he was describing the process of hailing a taxi cab to me. And as someone who didn't grow up in New York City, it made no sense to me at all. You have to uh, you know, step off the curb into oncoming traffic. You've got to put your hand in the air. It might be dark outside. You've got to look for the light on top of the vehicle. And uh, then you get in and they might not take you to Brooklyn. And you know, we saw that model kind of uh, begin to diminish with ride hailing services and uh, the ability to easily kind of get where you need to go using a using a mobile phone, and I think you know that same uh, model can apply to all of the different services that um, New Yorkers rely on. So let's build to that future. 
part of why um, I, I thought it would be particularly valuable to have you and Mike on the phone. There's some themes uh, in the model that you and Mike have architected that I think are important. Um, and one of them, obviously, is not to think about your enterprise or your data in a narrow vertical, but to be able to think horizontally and diagonally. And obviously, across supply chain, across vendors, and to understand the threat environment as it exists. I view these things as, um, and, and you know, I'd like you to respond, as absolutely central to building a resilient model. You're not building towards a zero defect, that's impossible, or a zero risk, but you are building to a model that is resilient, that can continue to learn, and that can recover in the event of um, of an incident. Am I uh, sort of understanding how you approach I think you are, David. I think it goes to this sort of a reason why it is exciting always for NYC Cyber Command to be, you know, having these considerate, considerate conversations with our friends at Rain, uh, and that's because Rain represents sort of a sort of uh, simpatico appreciation for the fact that multiple types of risk risks can affect your enterprise. Um, I think to a certain extent in cybersecurity, we have tried on a number of singular models or singular approaches in attempts to assuage the fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So what do I mean by that? Simply put, we have tried technical solutions, many of which are terrific. We have tried, but they're not complete, right? It goes to the notion that uh, uh, that no matter how strong your defense is, if an adversary has sufficient time, resources, and intent, then you're going to have a problem. We've looked at certain types of, you know, deleveraging the risk from a financial perspective through sort of insurance vehicles, et cetera. And is that good? Well, of course like being able to appreciate those bottom line considerations and perhaps deleverage an enterprise's obligations therein is great to have it, but only as part of your solution set. Because in the end, even if you have a capability to have financial sort sort of wherewithal, if in fact you have an operational impactful event and you can't recommission rapidly that impacted technical infrastructure, then probably your customers, consumers, residents aren't really going to care that you have a whopping policy to back you up because they're impacted and that impacts your reputation, your brand. So I think to a certain extent, as an industry with just two little examples, you know, we've tried these singular approaches. And we continue to do so sometimes, and we think that they interlace. But I think we have a greater um, set of confidence in our resiliency when we look not just to the singular solutions, whether they be technical, operational, financial, communications. Um, These are all singular components but without like significant tie between them, 
and then without the right level of of perhaps unadulterated focus from accountable executive uh, and executives, then you can't be successful on the day when the bad thing happens. And I think that's what it comes down to in many ways. You know, how can you be successful, not just in your defense and put it off to the side and leave it to your CIO or your CISO or your crisis management team? Oh, it's over there. That's not good enough because on the day that the bad thing happens, you know, the responsibility is to the ultimate enterprise risk holder, which is you know, executive. Uh, and also, of course, as we think about in New York, for us, it's New Yorkers. So what do New Yorkers expect? They're not expecting that we have sort of an elegant, detailed way of explaining. They're expecting that their service and their trust be uh, continued uh, uh, without interruption. So I think we have, uh, for us, a big motivating factor is it's always about New Yorkers for us. But I think private sector enterprises can have the same sort of motivating factor. You know, what, what does your customer, what are they going, what does your client, what is their set of expectations? And no ma matter how elegant the sort of the single lane model you may have, unless you're constructing an enterprise approach that puts you on the right terms and the right posture with that sort of, you know, client, consumer, resident facing expectation, then you probably have work still to do. Uh, in the few minutes I that we have remaining, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up an important uh, entrepreneurial initiative that both of you and your agency have undertaken to protect the citizens of New York as a access uh, Wi-Fi and how you made it both easy, certainly affordable, and scalable uh, for New Yorkers to use their devices in a safer and more secure way. And again, without waiting for an event or an incident, um, you took this upon yourself. And I was wondering whether you can just give an overview to our audience about what you've created and, and made openly and freely available to New Yorkers. Yeah, thanks, David. I'll start there. We've got um, under the umbrella of what we call NYC Secure, which is our sort of public-facing uh, cybersecurity effort for all New Yorkers. We've got two uh, primary uh, initiatives, and one is focused on uh, publicly uh, provided uh, Wi-Fi. And we've implemented with a, a not-for-profit called Quad9 uh, a solution on those publicly provided Wi-Fi kiosks to make sure that as you're connected to them, if you uh, navigate to a site that exists for the sole purpose of infecting your device with malware or um, taking some other malicious action, those sites via this uh, technology called Quad9 are blocked. And so it's, it is a layer of protection that the city uh, is providing to people who are accessing public Wi-Fi in New York. The second piece is a freely available uh, mobile phone app, works on iPhones and Androids, and it's called NYC Secure. And what it does is alerts you to uh, 
risky activity or potentially malicious activity on your mobile device so that you can uh, take corrective action. So it serves as both sort of a defensive tool and an educational tool because it tells you uh, what's happening that may pose a risk and what you can do to avoid it. And the big piece on NYC Secure, the mobile app, is a new feature that's just rolled out in the last month or so, which allows you to long click on a link um, on your mobile device. So you hold, when uh, you've got the app installed, you hold the link and the app will test the link for you and indicate whether that link is in fact safe to click or not. And that's a big uh, a big step for the mobile app. It was providing a lot of important functionality before, but we think this is a, a major step forward um, and serves sort of the uh, ancillary benefit of helping New Yorkers better understand the risks they, fa- they face when they um, undertake activity online. Uh, we've seen with COVID more and more city services shifting online. The way the city government interacts with uh, New Yorkers has moved online and anything that we can do to help New Yorkers um, be safer in their digital lives, we think is important. Uh, Just in uh, giving you each an opportunity for some quick uh, closing remarks, I do want to remind people about uh, not only the functions of city government, but also the immense amounts of data that the city, all cities are responsible for, and a lot of which is highly confidential, impacting everything from court records, health records, emergency response mechanisms. Um, There's been references in today's conversation to, obviously, the power grid, water, uh, when you think about New York and its mass transit systems, uh, no less the ports and harbors, uh, the responsibility of uh, overseeing New York's cybersecurity is absolutely immense. And because it is New York, uh, it's an attractive target to whether it's um, state-sponsored activities, organized criminal activity, hacktivists, mischievous extortionists, etc. And uh, I want to thank Jeff and Mike again for their public service and their agency's work, Uh, but most importantly also for the collaboration and leadership that you've shown. And if there's some takeaways here, because each of you have continued to learn, acquire knowledge, experiment a bit, um, what's the advice you're giving to, we'll call it the private sector enterprises, in terms of how they should begin to think about their environment and what they can do individually and collectively to more safely, securely operate and maintain the confidence of their stakeholders? I think to a certain extent, the lessons that can be drawn by observing the threat landscape and the impacts of organizations in previous years can conclude with some high confident insight. And high confident insight 
is organizations need to realize and then aggressively pursue what matters. And when you do that, what you start to shed is this notion that perfection is the goal, right? I think that's exceptionally important. We aren't on a trajectory towards perfection. We are on a trajectory towards creating higher confidence that what matters most can be defended and can, if impacted, be reconstituted in innovative, uh, impactful ways. So your question, David, what would I say to the private sector? I would say certainly private sector, continue to innovate, continue to bring us solutions that are interoperable in many ways, because the more interoperable those solution sets are, the less complicated enterprise defense turns out to be, and the more holistic can we build resilient, you know, public sector services. Because when you're t working with the public sector, we are thinking about those critical things that people rely on, justice, health, utilities like water, these things are critical. So if you go to that place where what matters, like who depends, sometimes I ask the question, who depends on us succeeding in NYC Cyber Command? Well, it's New Yorkers. And those New Yorkers are families, friends, communities. When you bake it down that granular, then all of a sudden you realize you have an obligation to lead and do decisive things. Decisive things that may not lead to perfect results, you know, imperfect like imperfect things can still be better than um, than nothing per se, or or than sort of loose loose or unorganized efforts. So you know, I, I would go back to that mantra: like what matters most, go to where it matters most. And when you're working, and I'd say the private sector, when you're working with the public sector, you know, recognize how significant what matters most to the public sector truly is, and help them. I would not say, though, like some folks oftentimes say, that the public sector should look to the private sector to lead. I don't know about that. I think the public sector has an obligation through our elected officials and through public servants in the best interest to the public to lead. But I certainly think the private sector has an enormous opportunity to help us. Yeah, and I think that... You know, my message is everyone has a role to play. Cooperation is critical. This distinction between the public sector and the private sector when it comes to cybersecurity, I think, is beginning to uh, dissolve. They're connected. Uh, they're connected now and they'll be connected stronger tomorrow and into the future. So, um, everyone's got a role to play. And I think that is uh, that's a very important point. It's not just government, it's not just private enterprise, it's not just the vendors that provide uh, software and hardware to both the public and the private sector. Everyone has a role to play and we need to work together to make, um, to, make to continue to make progress. Uh, I think that's the most important piece. If we're going to, um, if we're going to maintain and build trust, we need to be taking action every single day to build trust, not just to respond to cyber threats.
These are great points, uh, great themes, and uh, I particularly want to underscore that there is a constant opportunity to continue to learn in this space. It's not static, and Jeff, both you and Mike, I know, have not only led the effort and practiced uh, that mantra, but um, this is an evolving space. We learn something new. And uh, what happens in other sectors and to other companies often provide valuable lessons that have to be locked down in each of our organizations. And uh, I know you've been a great source of uh, knowledge sharing, wisdom sharing uh, for various companies here in New York. And so, again, uh, cannot thank you guys enough for the terrific service that you perform in the broad uh, public interest. And thanks for making time for this conversation. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Jeffrey Brown heads the New York City Cyber Command, and Mike Kenny is the Chief of Staff. Learn how RAIN helps members monitor relevant risk developments and more efficiently respond to and mitigate key threats. Visit us at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E-Network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. <laughs>